Living Holistically Well with Dr. Annette West. Again, we will have a myriad of topics, interviews, and engaging words of thought to share with you this season. The purpose of this show is to help us build up our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. And I just want to give a shout out to Creative Common for allowing the show the use of their jazz instrumental, Smooth Jazz. Now, let's get started with Dr. Annette West's topic for today. Today I want to talk about and share from the topic of the significance of working. The significance of working. Do you ever struggle finding a significance in what you need to do? Have you ever really thought about how the Bible does truly have every answer that you need and that the power really is within you to accomplish everything that you set your hands to? The significance of working having a conversation on yesterday with a young lady. Sometimes we have so many things before us, so many things that we are doing that we may begin to despise the small things. We may begin to question ourselves as to why am I doing this? What value does it bring? Who is it really going to benefit? I do it, but hardly anybody shows up. I think sometimes we mistakenly equate smallness with insignificance. But if we do that, we are really saying that God's plan isn't working. Yes, we all want big moments. We all want to be the the biggest singers, the the biggest artists, the you know, the the the, the biggest writers making the most money. We all within ourselves want that. We want to be recognized in the craft that we have, in the work that we do. We do. We all do. But we have to realize that everything we do, when we're doing it right, it has significance. Whether it is small or large, it should not matter. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So first of all, we have to recognize that what we're doing is not in vain. If we decided to put forth the effort, then we are going to do what is required. 
So we're going to dream. We're going to have visions. We're going to dream large dreams. We're going to plan outsized efforts. And think about this. To some people, it really comes naturally to do things and to get it done. In Daniel 11 and 32, it says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. But God's exploits, this is what we have to know. God's exploits aren't always theatrical. And the Bible warns us about despising the day of small things. Everything that we do, if we're doing it as unto the Lord, it has value. In the latter part of the Old Testament, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon invaders who reduced the Lord's glorious temple to a pile of smoldering rubble. The survivors were marched into exile hundreds of miles away and strangers and stragglers inhabited the ruins of the holy city. It was decades later a remnant, just a remnant of Jewish exiles returned to try to rebuild Solomon's great temple, but they didn't have the resources that Solomon had. They didn't have his engineers. He didn't have his architects. They didn't have his support base. They didn't have his wealth. They had nothing. They had nothing of the magnitude of what Solomon had. And so they found themselves in a hostile environment And of course, people were going to criticize them because there were some who remembered what it looked like in its glorious days. And now you coming along with this mediocre stuff, this mediocrity, and you think you're going to rebuild the temple. temple. And after clearly um, removing the debris and reassembling the foundation, many of the older exiles wept because then they remembered the original temple and its glory. And they felt that what they were doing now seemed small in comparison to what had been. And also an opposition increased and morale decreased and the work came to a halt. So as I was talking yesterday with this young lady, this is what we were talking about, how we're doing, we're being we, we believe that what we're doing is best. We're not seeing the people follow through. We're not seeing the numbers that we that we want to see. But we have to trust that if just one seed is planted, if just one seed is planted, it's going to manifest. So what if you have a group of a thousand show up? And they just come to see and they're not coming to receive. They're not coming to really build up. They're coming to talk down. It would really be a waste of your energy to have put that together. So we were just talking about how important it is to ensure that while we're doing, while we're working, while we're being engaged in productivity, that we don't get frustrated that we don't get frustrated while we're working and that we find the significance in the work that we do. And so for many years, the construction of the site that I was just talking about, the temple, it was abandoned. 
Then these two preachers rose up. See, it don't take a whole lot. These two preachers rose up and they had fire and they had a zeal and they had fresh wind. Haggai and Zechariah. The Bible lists them as minor prophets, but that doesn't mean that their message had any insignificance. Their message was powerful. Haggai said in one of his messages to the people, one of his sermons, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Then he relayed God's message to them in Zechariah 2, 3 through 5. But now, and I'm going to um, do the dot, dot, dot. So, um, but now be strong, be strong, be strong all you people of the land and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord God Almighty. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So I left out some words, okay? But I wanted you to get the point there. Haggai 2, 6 through 7 and verse 9 says, Haggai is reminding them of a promise that God gave. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will come. More shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. But look, if we really want the house the work that we are doing to show significance, we have to stay at it. We have to stick with it. Think about this. He asked the question, Zachariah, does this task seem so insignificant? But look, God shook up history. Because one day, that same temple, the Messiah was there. He stood in that very temple at a young age, and he spoke to the wise men of the day. So they didn't realize they were building the structure for Christ to come to stand to share. And the future glory that would be in it would be Christ himself. And of course, that's exactly what happened because in Zechariah 4, uh, I believe it's 6 and 10, and I'm paraphrasing, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, who dares despise the day of small things. And so though the remnant was weak, their effort small, their building seemed inferior. The Holy Spirit was there in ways they could not see. And that's what we have to re remind ourselves, no matter what we're going through. No matter what it is, don't give up. Don't despise the small beginnings. There's a word called plod. And it comes from the old English word meaning puddle. And so a plotter P-L-O-D-D-E-R, is someone willing to get his feet wet and wade through the mud and mire to arrive at his destination. By perseverance, 
they reach their destination. By perseverance, the work gets accomplished. Think about a snail and how small a snail moves. But if it keeps moving, it reaches its destination. Think about how small a turtle moves. But if it keeps moving, it'll reach its destination. So we have to be plotters, willing to get our feet wet and wade through it no matter what. Sometimes it's going to get muddy, but that's okay. We can make it because we walk with King Jesus. The plotter can receive achieve great results. If the plotter has removed um, stones, if he even just can only move one at a time, eventually he will move all the stones that need to be moved. We need to be plotters. People who are willing to stay in the race, no matter if it seems hard, no matter if there's moments that we slow down, no matter when life's frustrations and we look at it and we see it doesn't seem to be moving the way we want to, keep at it. That's what we have to do. We have to keep at it. Life is a cumulative effect. It's constant. There's no way that we can know the ripple effect of our labor when we are patiently plotting. And that was in our conversation on yesterday as well. You don't know when you're putting out the seeds, how many of those seeds are going to take root. But you believe that the seeds will take root. You may never see after you plant them, after you throw them out, you may never see which people in the crowd those seeds hit, but you keep planting seeds. You don't know how those people are going to develop, but if you trust God, and they move into their next phase, they will be growing as they move along. We complete major tasks through small, persistent increments. And so sometimes we say, oh my, I only have seven days to complete this. But if we say that and we never do anything to the seventh day, sure, we're going to be stressed out. We're going to be taxed out. We're going to be perplexed. But if we look at that seven days and say, okay, I'm going to line out what I'm going to do each of those days to have it accomplished on the seventh day and then follow my list, then we will do much better. So we can't underestimate what we are doing. We can't despise the small things. We can't despise the small beginnings because everybody starts with nothing. That's unless you were born and somehow your family was already rich, which is not the, the majority of us. The most of the the most of us have to work. The most of us have to learn how to find significance in what we do. We have to be like Moses. Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 7 and 22, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. Listen, 
So God is going to do what he said he would do for you. God is going to help you through. God is going to help us through. But we have to stay true to our test. We have to stay true to our craft. We have to stay true to what is before us. And we can't be frustrated in the process. We have to believe that if we do it little by little, it will manifest into what? It is supposed to. And our attitude has a lot to do with what we accomplish. Because people can talk themselves down from doing a lot of things that are very beneficial to building up the kingdom, to building up other people. Proverbs 13 and 11 says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Most of our accomplishments occur little by little, day by day, step by step, here a little and there a little. Jesus told us to be faithful in little things. For those who are faithful in little are faithful in much. So patiently plotting produces durable results. When we give up on a project, then we waste the labor and time that we already expended. Now, on the opposite side of that, there are times when we may come to a point where God may show us and we realize a task or a project isn't worth the effort and we abandon it. That's okay, but that's not our norm. Our norm is not to throw good after bad. So when it's not working, The Lord may say, put it aside. The Lord told Joshua to conquer conquer the promised land. He told him to do it one foot at a time. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And then he told him, but don't be discouraged in the process. For I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 3 and 9, paraphrase. So we have to also hear what the Lord was saying to Joshua. I told you you're going to do this thing. I told you you're going to conquer this. But you also have to be patient in the process. You have to be willing to stop sometimes. You have to be willing to make sure that you're moving at the right momentum, putting one foot in front of the other. And not allow yourself to talk you down, not to allow your attitude to become negative, but to stay encouraged and do not be discouraged. Be strong, be courageous, do the work. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. He's never going to fail you. He's never going to forsake you. Never. He's going to be right there as you work in his service to complete the task at hand. And really, if you think about it, that's great advice, no matter what you're doing in life. You can choose to hold on to stuff that you don't need to hold on. Sometimes you need to let it go. But when the Lord tells you to stick with it, even when it looks rough, it looks tough and people aren't following through and you got all of these messages and people say, I'm with you, I'll help you, I'll support you. I'm going to be there and they don't show up. Stick with it anyhow. Trust the process. Trust the Lord. Trust that God knows what is the best to be done in the situation. I'm reminded of the tortoise and the hare, always a great 
um, story was a great story when I was a child. Uh, grandkids, you know, have read it, but it's still a great example of being in the race and not giving up. The tortoise and the hare. A tortoise, as I mentioned before, is known for being for moving, but moving at such a slow, steady pace. The hare is used to moving at a magnificent, fast pace. And the two of them are in the race together. Well, our minds would tell us that who's going to win? The fastest one is going to win. But we come to the realization that it's not always the fastest one who wins. It's the one who stays in the race until the end. Sometimes the runner gets distracted. The fastest runner, he's miles ahead of the tortoise. He's miles ahead of the others. But he stops. Something distracts him in the run. He stops. Sleep overtakes him. Hunger overtakes him. A thirst overtakes him. And, and instead of just stopping for a split second, he stops and he rests or he does something. And before he realizes it, he's been overtaken. In the account of the tortoise and the hare, it was something as simple as the hare was saying, oh, I got a ways to go, but I'm so far ahead of that turtle. That turtle will never catch up with me. I'm going to get to the wayside and take me a little nap. And he takes that little nap. And by the time he comes out of that little nap, Mr. Tortoise is running across that line. And there was also a story uh, that I came across. I can't remember the book. And it's not my story. But then again, the tortoise and the hare is not my story either. But it was told about a Cuban mail carrier. And his name was Felix. And he decided to enter the 19... 04 Olympics in St. Louis, and his desire was to win the marathon for his country. So he, he decides to get in the race. He comes with no money. He has no one to back him. He quit his job to come. He caught a boat to New Orleans, and then he hitchhiked to St. Louis. The American team took pity on him and gave him food in the bed. He didn't have uniform, no running shoes. He didn't have training. He didn't have experience. But he took the time to cut off his pants above the knees and appear at the starting line in street shoes. It was hot that day. It was humid that day. Most of the runners collapsed. One nearly died. But being from Cuba, where it's hot, Felix was felt that he was right at home with the heat and humidity. He laughed, he joked, and he talked all the way until he was within two miles of the finish line. He was so far ahead of all the challengers. But then, like I said, he looked over to the side and he spotted an orchard tree. He spotted an orchard and the orchard had apples and he decided to stop and eat an apple. But he didn't eat just one apple and get back in the race. He ate several apples. And what happened to Felix? Felix got extremely ill with stomach cramps. And then he could only bend over and tilt his head up to see that three of the runners who were so far behind him that they couldn't be seen were now passing him. And he got enough momentum to get back in the race, but he didn't finish first. And he had no excuse for not finishing first. He wound up finishing fourth. 
So we have to stay in the race. We have to pay attention when we are in the race. Successful people, listen to this, successful people, they learn to count the costs in advance and they tackle the worthwhile projects that reasonably will represent God's will in their life. And then they're not easily discouraged and seldom will they succumb to tough times. So they stay focused. They count the costs. They tackle the worthwhile projects. They believe that God's going to get them through. They're not going to be easily discouraged. And that's how we have to be. If we believe that God told us to do it, then we need to stay in the race and we need to do it no matter how it looks, no matter how many people don't follow through, um, step out of supporting us or whatever. We have to stay in the race. There is two much to do. As I was talking to the young lady yesterday, I was saying just one seed can make a difference. Planting one seed that takes off creates that apple tree. We have to realize there are difficulties that will come on every hand. They are going to loom over us sometimes, but we have to stay in the race and we must have to choose to go forward. We, we must have to choose to plod. We must have to choose to be a plotter. And if we think about it, the quality of our perseverance is what is at the core of our character. Think about the things that the Bible uses the word persevere or preserves. He says in the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love, it always perseveres. Paul, I mean, Paul told Timothy in um, Timothy 4.16, 1 Timothy 4.16, persevere in both life and doctrine for in so doing you would save both yourself and your hearers in the book of hebrews 10 36 it says you need to persevere in the book of james james 1 12 it says blessed is the one who perseveres until trial james 5 and 11 says and you know we count as blessed those who have persevered so the Lord allows pressures to come into our lives. Those pressures, when we stay in the race, they help to develop the quality of perseverance in our lives. And perseverance, think about it. Perseverance is the mark of maturity. I didn't give up. I stayed in the race. I had the plan. I stuck with the plan. I had a process. I stayed with the process. And I'm not going to stop or stop too soon unless I see that the resources can be better used somewhere else. So we must practice the power of plotting and despise not the day of small things. Don't grow discouraged. Things fluctuate. I've done conferences, workshops, retreats for years. I mean years. Sometimes there's a lot of people and sometimes there's not a lot of people, but I'm committed to the process. What I start, I'm going to finish. And I know that no matter whether it's been a lot of people or little people, those that have been there were blessed beyond measure. 
and the work of the Lord was accomplished. And so that's my encouragement and empowerment and motivation to you for this week. I will catch you next time. Bye-bye. As we close, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe on your favorite platform so you will receive notifications for this show. Share a comment and give a five-star rating. Join the mailing list at drannettewestministries.org. And while there, check out what's going on in our world. Also, purchase a copy of Dr. West's newest book, Holistic Wellness, Mind, Body, Spirit, on drannettewestministries.org and Amazon. Don't forget to follow Dr. West on social media 